0: Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Ashley Hollis. I want to start with a scripture. And it's in Philippians 4, 4-9. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Finally, brothers, think on these things. I want to talk about where we find ourselves in this situation if you will, this overwhelmed situation. I'm gonna just bring this chair out here and not destroy equipment. Um, And I just wanna sit and talk to you for a minute as if we were just sitting and having coffee, okay? Because I think that sometimes we go through those situations and sometimes we have to evaluate where we are. What does our situation look like? Your overwhelmed is going to look different than my overwhelmed. And I promise you, this is not a woe is me sermon. This is going to be, I pray, a pivotal sermon for your life. I pray every time I speak, God, let it be a Monday morning sermon. Let it be a sermon that we can take into work, take into school on a Monday morning and apply to our lives. But we go through these different situations where we find ourselves overwhelmed Sometimes it's a situation where something didn't go like you expected, right? Something of life hits you in the face, and it's like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. Maybe it's a health diagnosis that you're like, whoa, okay, whoa, life just shifted as I knew it. Maybe you lost your job at some point, and you're like, okay, now what do I do? Now, where do I go? Now, what do I turn to? Now, and it's these questions. Maybe it's somebody in your life that you've been close to for a long time, and all of a sudden goes silent. And you're like, what? what? How, how did I get here? You know, I've had moments like that in my life. I've shared with you before about when I was in the hospital and when Elijah and I first got married. And then a couple years later, I was healthy, and we had Zion. And this would have been, I guess, about seven or eight years ago, we had Zion, and he got very sick. He was very, very sick as a child. His first year of life, I don't think we slept more than 45 minutes in like all of our life, like by the grace of God, we survived that year, and he was so sick, and he was up all night, and I remember this one point, he was almost one, And he got sick with the norovirus, right? It made me think of it with this whole coronavirus and the flu and everything going around. And Zion got really sick with the norovirus, which at the time was like the cruise ship virus was the nickname for it. And so you would get it and it would just travel through so quickly. And so he got very sick and he was like maybe nine months old and he had to be hooked up to an IV. And so we had to stay in the hospital for a little over a week. And because this norovirus was so contagious, he had to be quarantined quarantined. So he couldn't have people coming in and out. He couldn't have toys. It was just this this overwhelming situation. And in the midst of it all, you know, outside life still has to go on, right? Elijah still has to work. I still have to figure out what's going to happen in life. And it's this overwhelming, like, if you have kids, you understand. It's like, God, I don't want to have to see my kid go through this. God, please, I know you love him more than even I love him. But God, this is so much. Like, it's just, you, you just say, wow. And I remember in those times and spending all this time in the hospital and you really just don't sleep because they come in and like check vitals at like 1 a.m. Like, they should redo that schedule. But they come in in the middle of the night, right? And you're up and you're all this stuff. And I remember just having so much time to pray through this and say, God, what, what do I do? God, walking through this, like just trying to process it and all this stuff. And I remember God saying to me, Ashley, you've talked about what you would do in this situation. Now you need to walk that out. You've talked about it. Now you need to walk it out. See, I don't believe for an instant that God makes bad things happen. I believe that we live in a fallen world. I believe that there is sin in the world, and I believe that things happen to us. I do not believe for a moment that God intends that to happen to you, but I do believe that God uses that and works it together for your good, and in that moment, I remember saying, okay, God, I know. I've talked to so many people about this. When you've been in ministry, you've walked with so many people through their kids being in the hospital. You've walked with so many people through the exhaustion and the fear and the anxiety. But when it hits you, you say, God, what do I do? And it was that time of deciding, okay, I have to walk out what I've talked And then sometimes we find ourselves in the overwhelming situations that aren't a bad overwhelming. I I walked through one of these situations actually last fall, and I remember, and if you were doing life with me at the time, I remember it was such a crazy, crazy lifetime, and Katie and I were in the middle of big projects, and we had sold one house, and then we moved into another house, and then we moved stuff to storage, and so it was like three moves, like Whatever. And of course, one of them was the day before this project, and we've been working 20 hour days, and it was just all the things accumulating into this overwhelming moment. I remember saying to Katie, one night I had been working for a couple nights um, straight and I was just in sweats and a hoodie and I was like, Katie, I'm literally sitting at my bed at a computer in sweats and a hoodie just eating chips out of a bag. Like this is not a great version of myself. Like what am I doing right now? And it was this overwhelming moment. And let me just tell you though, God challenged me so much in that. And I shared this with someone this week because God challenged me in that moment that sometimes the overwhelming situations we found ourselves in, sometimes it's what we've prayed for. And now we need to pray through it. Because sometimes I sat there and I was like overwhelmed. And if I'm going to be very honest, I moved more times in like six weeks and I've moved in my life. And I was like, what is happening? I called my dad and I'm like, can I get you a plane ticket? Can you please come out? He's like, "All right, Ashley, I'll be there." I'm like, "Thank you." So he flies in and we're we're just rocking out life and I remember so so strongly God speaking to me and saying, "Ashley, this is what you prayed for." You're working with the clients if you don't know we own a creative and marketing agency. Um so we do like digital stuff and so I was like, this moment where it's like, "Wow." You're working with the clients you've worked for. You wanted to work with them your whole lives. And now you're moving into a house that you've prayed for for so long. We love to host people and to have people over. And we were moving into a house that was our dream. And my kids were doing things in school that they were loving and they're killing it. And they're doing honor on a roll and the whole to-do. And I remember everything in the church. And we're bringing on new staff members. And it's everything is great but sometimes it's overwhelming. Have you ever found yourself there where it's exactly what you prayed for? And then you're like, wow, now I need to pray through it. Now I need to walk through it. Sometimes we stop at the pray for, and we don't pray through. We pray and we pray and God bless me and God bless me and God grow my business, grow my business. And then our business grows and we're like, God, I'm exhausted now I have to bring on new team members. Or maybe you pray, God, please, I want children that are obedient. I want children that seek you. I want children that are generous. And then you realize, it is a lot of work to raise those kinds of kids. My goodness, we have some of our board members here, Mark and Jampoor, And actually, it's very cool. Their daughters were in Elijah and I's youth group. And so before we ever had kids, we knew Mark and Jan. And I remember whenever we were pregnant, and then whenever we had the kids, we would take them to dinner. And we were like, okay, how did your kids turn out like that? How did you do that? Because at a senior in high school, it didn't start there. It didn't start there. We know it had to start back here. And they would tell us, yeah, guys, it was the long hours. Yeah, guys, it was the consistency. Yeah, it's watching what they're into. Their girls are into dance. Yeah, it's checking out those dance studios. It's being intentional as parents. Sometimes we want the result and we forget about what's going to come. And so today I want to talk to us, whichever situation you find yourself in, whether it's this daunting overwhelming of a fear and an anxiety and a medical diagnosis, or maybe it's the best overwhelming feeling you just need to take a moment and be grateful for it, but they're both overwhelming, and so I want to, I want to take a moment, and I want to kind of look at Job, and Job's story is incredible, and if you've ever heard the story of Job, um, Job is an incredible man of God, okay? He is successful He has the family. He has a gazillion animals, which in that time is like super successful, okay? And he has all the things, all the possessions, all the family. And I want to read to you in Job 1. And so um, if you want, you can read along with me on your, you know, your Bible or your phone. If you just want to close your eyes and envision the story, let it come to life to you. But here we go. Job 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East." His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Verse 6, we pick up, it says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household in everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger comes in. The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came. I mean, can you imagine this man? Like literally, talk about life hitting, right? And said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, he tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. In all this. See, I think this story is, it's sometimes we can relate. Maybe you haven't lost your business, and your family, and your servants, and everything at once. But don't you think that those overwhelming situations are a bit relative? Like I think sometimes what's overwhelming to me right now will may not seem overwhelming to you because of what you've walked through. And maybe what you're walking through doesn't seem overwhelming to me because it's relative. But what we can learn from Job is the principle of how he reacted to an overwhelming situation. I see in chapter 2, it goes on and it's Job's second test and i'm not going to read that whole chapter but i encourage you to read it because it talks all about what else he lost what else was taken away and in the end of that chapter it says job 2:11 when job's three friends and it names them heard of all the troubles that had come upon them they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him when they saw him from a distance they could hardly recognize him they began to weep aloud they tore their robes sprinkled dust on their heads then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. I've, I've really been digging this story apart, okay? And I've just been diving into it. And there's a couple things I want to challenge us with that we can learn from Job. The first thing is, I think it's incredible that in the beginning of Job's story, we find out how successful he is. Yet in the midst of all that success, in the midst of everything he has going for him, the Bible still says that he was upright. He was blameless. He worshiped the Lord. You know, I would venture to say sometimes it's more natural to seek and worship God in our down times than in our high times. Because in our high times, it's really easy to say things are going great, God's just providing, da 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 da. Wow, I'm just killing it today. Like, you ever had those moments where you're like, Wow, life is going good, I am on top of the world, and I wonder what principles. What practices Job had set in place while he was on cloud nine? While he was the top man in the east? While he had everything at his disposal? What had he set at his foundational core that then he fell to in his time of overwhelming? In his time of despair, he fell to worship, meaning worship was what he had done through his whole life, and worship was what he fell to in that overwhelming time. You know, in that last verse in in chapter one, we see five verbs that Job did. Job got up, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell to the ground, and he worshiped. It was action oriented. In that time, tearing the robes and putting the dust on the head and all of this, and it might sound so crazy, that was, um, that was a symbol of mourning in those days. That was like, wow, I've lost everything. I'm mourning. I'm like walking through this. That was how you would know what somebody was walking through. They began to tear the cloak and put the ashes on their head, and they've walked through. And then in chapter two, we see his friends come, right? And his friends weep. And here's what I want to challenge us with. Sometimes it's not about just what you do. It's what you're known for in those overwhelming times. See, we don't see that Job didn't. He did, he did weep. He did mourn the loss. Those are human emotions to walk through and say, God, I'm so scared right now. God, I just got a diagnosis. I remember that when Elijah and I flew home from the Dominican Republic and they told Elijah to come say goodbye to me because I had so much infection. They said, hey, I think we need you to come say goodbye to your wife. We don't think she's going to make it out of this surgery. I remember those moments of fear. I remember the human emotion of, I just got married last year and now I'm done. Like, what? It was this human emotion. You see, Job had a human emotion. He still mourned. We don't, it doesn't say he wept, but I would, I would read between the lines and say he probably did, but he fell to the place of worship. He ended at the place of worship in the midst of being overwhelmed, in the midst of whatever life hits. Whether it's the highest of heights overwhelming and it's exactly what you've prayed for, or whether it's something that smacks you in the face, we have to find ourselves back at a place of worship and prayer. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at This Is Change, PHL. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.